this. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Okay, so this um, chapter has for, oh, let me put on the video, for devotees who read or are familiar with kind of history, um, has one of the more famous purports in it. I think it's verse 30. Um, but before we get there, we have uh, 29 other verses to cover. <laughs> Yeah, I like this chapter. Um, can I make a quick request? Uh, yes. The background of um, the, the Manus, maybe you guys covered it last week. So, the background of the Manus. Yeah, like, okay, um, sure. They are progenitors of mankind. They, so, they, they have a lot of kids, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> Um, they they populate the world and they seem to live for a very long time mm -hmm. but uh, this did come up last week that it's relative uh, because 71 of them I believe it was live on a day of Lord Brahma and Lord Brahma also has a night and he has 365 days and he lives for 100 years but uh, so they live a long time, but nothing compared to Lord Brahma's 311 trillion, 640 billion years. So Swayambhuva Manu was the first Manu in this day of Brahma. And now he's been followed by, I believe it's Vaivashvata Manu. And Manu wrote a book, uh, well, I mean, he's uh, called uh, Manu Sanghita, which Prabhupada often calls a law book for mankind. Now, that has to be understood carefully. It's not necessarily a bhakti literature, but it is a literature for society. And one would have to be careful in some ways in applying some of the things that are in the Manu Samhita to the world that we live in today. Does that help at all? Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. So what, what the Bhagavatam does is it's very, it's kind of, in, it's, it's, it's fascinating that it really tells all of these pastimes or stories that have a bhakti lens to it. But the background is going through the uh, life and times of, 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 of Swayambhava Manu sometimes. And uh, yeah, and his two sons, uh, was it Priyavrata and Uttama? Mm -hmm. You know, and then... Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I, uh, it takes a, a real bit of digging for me to kind of understand the, the backdrop because there'll be, you know, for instance, what you're reading is actually a narration of, you know, the, the I guess, almost like student of Veda Vyasa who's teaching other people. It's almost right. like there's stories layered within. Oh, yeah. Sometimes, stories. sometimes and, four deep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. I almost have to make like a bracket of what I'm I couldn't I there is such a such a thing exists and I could try to find it and send it out to everyone. <laughs> it does exist. But yes, you'll see, for example, um 
so Prakshit Maharaj is, is Sukadev Goswami is speaking to Prakshit Maharaj, and then Sutta Goswami is telling that's that story. Um, and then he, but he's reciting to the sages of Naimisharanya uh, a conversation between um, Maitreya and uh, Vidura. And in that, Maitreya is telling us pastime right. that happened. Yeah. Yes. So, but there is such a chart. But I think it's, it's significant that, like you said, you have to dig because it's not the main purpose, but it is the backdrop, right? It's not the main message, but it is the backdrop. So yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I, I had a, a friend, Comte Aprabhu, who did this years and years ago. I don't know if he still has it, but I think other people have done it since. So I'll try to find it and send it yeah, out. That would, be, that would be cool. Yeah. Appreciate it. Okay, so we are reading chapter eight, Oh, no, not chapter eight, <laughs> Canto eight, chapter two. And we're starting with verse number one. Sukadeva Goswami said, my dear king. So he's speaking to Prichit Maharaj. There is a very large mountain. Well, and the backdrop of this, right, is at the end of the last chapter, right? Uh, where um, we're in uh, 30. It says, also in this Manvantar, the Supreme Lord Vishnu took birth from the womb of Harini, Harini, the wife of Hari Medha, and he is known as Hari. Hari saved his devotee Gajendra, the king of elephants, from the mouth of the crocodile. And when he hears that, Prikshamar says, oh, you know, hey, wait, wait, stay, hold on a second. Rok, rok, wait a second. He says, my dear Badarayani, that's the name for Sukadev. Wait, we wish to hear from you in detail how the king of the elephants, when attacked by the crocodile, was delivered by Hari. Any literature or narration in which the Supreme Personality of God at Uttama Shloka is described and glorified is certainly great, pure, glorious, auspicious, and all good. And then the chapter ends by Sutta Goswami telling the sages of Namasharanya what happened between Purushit Maharaj and Sukadev. They say, he says, O Brahmanas, when, Maharaj Prikshit, when Prikshit Maharaj was awaiting impending death, thus requested Sukadeva Goswami to speak. Sukadeva Goswami, encouraged by the king's words, offered respects, respect to the king and spoke with great pleasure in the assembly of the sages who desired to hear from him. And then we have our text that Sukadeva tells Prikshit Maharaj, my dear king, there is a very large mountain. He gives a backdrop now of the story, of the past time. Uh, large man called Trikuta. It is 10,000 yojanas, 80,000 miles high. Being surrounded by the ocean of milk, it is very beautifully situated. Two and three. The length and breadth of the mountain are of the same measurement, 80,000 miles. It is three principal peak. It, uh, it's three principal peaks, which are made of iron, silver, and gold, beautify all directions and the sky. The mountain also has other peaks, which are full of jewels and minerals and are decorated with nice trees, creepers, and shrubs. The sounds of the waterfalls on the mountain create a pleasing vibration. In this way, the, sound, the mountain stands, increasing the beauty in all directions. Now we'll get into the, the kind of um, wow statements there, but just uh, this one point that, you know, uh, there's a number of apps now um, 
to help you get sleep. One is called Calm, one is called Mind Space, and there's many others. And what they'll sometimes do is record, you know, water flowing on a river or a waterfall or something like that. It says here, the sounds of the waterfall and the mountain create a pleasing vibration. Um, the mind, there's something that affects the mind when you're near a body of water, especially one that's uh, either the ocean or running water in a river or in a creek. I think we've all had experience of that. And the sages would do their sadhana, their meditation, um, on the, near the bank of the Ganges, near the bank of the Jumuna. Um, and we know that some of the most expensive houses in the world are either beachfront or right on a, a river or on a stream, right? Isn't it? So um, water, especially running water in that natural way has quite an effect on the conscious. So the ground, text four, at the foot of the mountain is always washed by waves of milk. Now you see that's a different kind of river, right? <laughs> that produce emeralds all around in the, in the eight directions, north, south, east, west, and the directions midway between them, like southeast, southwest, et cetera. Purport. From Srimad Bhagavatam, we understand that there are various oceans. Some of them, uh, somewhere there is an ocean filled with milk, somewhere with liquor, somewhere with ghee, oil, and sweet water. Thus, there are different varieties of oceans within this universe. The modern scientists who have only limited experience cannot defy these statements. They cannot give us full information about any planet, even the planet on which we live. From this verse, however, we can understand that if the valleys of some mountains are washed with milk, this produces emeralds. No one has the ability to imitate the activities of material nature as conducted by the supreme personality of Godhead. Oh, there's people waiting. My apologies, uh, Jiva, David, Mun, for keeping you waiting. I don't know how long you're waiting, but I was getting absorbed with milk oceans and emeralds. No and problem. Uh, no problem. didn't check. <laughs> so my apologies. <laughs> but at least you're here now. So we're on text number four of chapter two of Canto eight. Um, so the, the, uh, Beauty or the, the variegatedness of this world, it's just amazing. And this is the material world. I mean, this is just uh, from the Hubble Space, um, Space Telescope. I, I, those who are uh, online, they can see this. Sorry about those who are listening on the recording. I'm just showing some pictures from the Hubble Space Telescope, um, just a, a, a variety of them. There's probably about 20 or 30 on this page. And they do look some of them, you got to admit, look pretty cool. Wouldn't you say so? Those that are looking at it. And, you know, I mean, how did Saturn get its rings? See Saturn over there? <laughs> or, or the way that the, uh, I don't know if this is solar systems or Milky Ways. I, I get all of that a little bit confused. But they, and this is just one corner of one universe. And you see the amazing beauty and, and variety. <clears throat> so when uh, and Srila Prabhupada says uh, here, hmm, no one has the ability to imitate the activities of material nature as conducted by the Supreme Personality of Godhead and just how beautiful it is. Now, the other thing we can really note is 
that wherever we are at personally, we see that Srila Prabhupada had just, um, he just accepted the Bhagavatam as it is, right? And we can or cannot, that's up to us, you know, because, you know, like, wow, you know, an ocean of ghee or what would that be like if you took bath in it? You know, you can come up with so many thoughts um, or that there's living entities on other planets, which will come up in, in the next verse, I believe. But this is the statement of the Shastra. And it's not the essence of the Shastra. The essence of the Shastra is loving Krishna. But, you know, Srila Prabhupada, as you can see here in this purport, just accepted them at face value. And as we can see, at least from our very limited um, experience that there, the, the, the truth of the, the uh, variegatedness of even this planet or, or outer space as we see from the Hubble Space um, uh, Telescope. Mm. Any thoughts, questions, comments on this? Well, now they're having the Webb Space Telescope. Really? Yeah, it's deploying now. It's very oh, that one that would, yeah, the one that just launched, right? It's going to pierce much farther than the Hubble. Right. But in the in the infrared spectrum, mm. so what they'll have is like false color pictures like this, but going back even uh, right. even deeper. And then the way the scientists, uh, well, one kind of scientist put it is that uh, if if we're a simulation, if this universe is a simulation, they're going to have to increase the resolution because we're going to look even farther, right? Interesting. So let's we'll see if we find out the bottom of the universe for this. What do you want right, that we right. don't? <laughs> no, no, the universe is quite large. Yeah. And this is a small, relatively small universe, again, according to the Bhagavatam. But we do see that sometimes the, the like I said, it's not the essence, but the Bhagavatam does, you know, go like this and say, wow, there's a lot more out there than you think. Now, you know, again, whether you accept it or not, that's that's up to you, that's up to each individual. Um, I kind of take it really simply from my, I'm just telling, talking about me personally, Bhajabihari Das that um, I have, I have um, faith, conviction, whatever word you want to use, that Prabhupada had spiritual insights that are just remarkable because of his devotion to Krishna. So if he, you know, if he accepts it, I, I don't get bent out of shape about these things. I say, okay, sounds good to me. Next, next uh, verse. <laughs> that's, that's just how I personally deal with it. Mahajana Yena Katasa Panta, that when you read, you know, we, we read probably primarily Prabhupada's books, and he's often gathering thing, uh, insights from previous acharyas. And these great acharyas had such spiritual insights and wrote such amazing commentaries. And they also accepted things way beyond uh, pratyaksha, their uh, personal sense perception. So anything else on this? Otherwise, we're going up to, I believe it's eight. Yeah. Okay. So verse number five. The inhabitants of the, and of course, we, we have some, again, you know, if, if you want to, uh, rash, you know, try to give some rational understanding, like here it says, the inhabitants of the higher planets, the Siddhas, Charnas, Gandharvas, Vidyadharas, Serpents, Kinaras, and Apsaras, go to that mountain to sport. Thus, all the caves of the mountain are filled with the denizens of the heavenly planets. So, you know, the inhabitants of the higher, let's say, 
uh, finances in, um, in, in, in this world, they go to Aspen and they go to Vail and they go to, you know, Monterey. Davos. Davos. Ta Taos? Davos, Switzerland. Davos, yes, Davos. Yeah, so it's they a have, very elite place, yeah. Right. So they, so everyone has their uh, elite. So, you know, you could extract that. We even on this planet, we have our higher planets and lower planets. You could say like when you fly into Mumbai, uh, the airport, you see one of the biggest um, slums in the world is right next to the airport. It's huge. So, you know, the kind of even on this planet, there's higher, lower and middle places. Right. Can I make a comment about the word planet? Um, yep. I, I was all early on when I started reading these materials, I, I was very curious about the word being used planet. And granted, I have, I cannot remember the source, but somewhere on the internet, I found this, this uh, American sort of language and religion scholar talking about the word planet from, from these texts. Uh -huh. And that and that it actually is a, like the Sanskrit word is so much more broad in meaning than what we think of as far as a sphere, you know, floating around a, a sun. But it's this combination of a psychological state, a, uh -huh. you know, yes, physical state. It's, you know, um, so, for instance, maybe like in this part I'm at it, but like, you know, from this context, like a grasshopper may be living on a different planet within this context than a human, even though we're on the same physical planet. <laughs> well, the, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Uh, I don't know if that's what that, I'd have to see what that scholar was saying. But yeah, I, I'll try to find it. The first part of I get um, that the, it's also talked about how, and I've, I've mentioned this before, that the, the enjoyment on the higher planets is subtle you know it's it's not you know some because sometimes we portray in our in our um in our dramas you know in iskan you know the you know someone's drinking soma rasa mm -hmm. and, and you know they're acting like a, a guy you know uh just bouncing out of a bar at four in the morning <laughs> yeah. and that's not the case it's it's the the enjoyments on the heavenly planets are considered uh much more subtle and yeah um yeah it's just like I, i'll give an example of food so i had and i may have mentioned this before also i've had the good fortune of sometimes eating some of the prasadam that was cooked by jamuna devi one of Prabhupada's first disciples and a, a very very advanced very very advanced devotee and she was taught how to cook directly from Prabhupada, right and and so you know compare that to i don't i i don't know you know you're you're out and you're starving and you so you buy a a kind bar or something like that or you know or you know something like that which is fine it's, it's vegetarian and and all that but the the difference is like day and night it was so subtle you know uh, her cooking was so the 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 different flavors were so subtle and and compared to that my microwave. Uh, oh yeah. Okay. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Microwave Amy's or whatever. Uh, um, and 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 after eating it, I felt like it was already digested. Like the second it hit my stomach, you know, it was. Uh, so 
So yes, I, I could see how uh, I would like to see that scholar in, uh, or some writing about that. And yeah, God, it was a while ago. And all I can say is, is the credentials seem credible, and and you know it was yeah. um, sourced. Uh, I I think it maybe doesn't apply so well to this first, but other ones where um, yeah, you know. But yeah, the only so other thing I'll say is like um, you know, as far as these sort of seemingly almost fanciful uh descriptions i mean I, I don't know if you've ever listened to people talk about near-death experiences and i'm sh i'm sure there are a lot of charlatans out there you know making the talk show circuits but you can find stuff on youtube too where it's people who haven't made this entire cottage industry out of it and they talk about it and they explain, you know, these types of things and that it yeah. feels they're 100% convinced it is more real than their existence here. And I think what makes them very credible is almost invariably, unlike people who've had psychedelic experiences, there are real, they really tangibly change their lives. Like a lot of them quit whatever job they were doing to do something that they find more mm -hmm. meaningful. But anyway, you know, I, I think there's a plenty of, I like that. I like that. Yeah, there's a lot more to to the world than what we can perceive in our five senses. And we say, and we know that the senses are imperfect, uh, and we're uh, liable to make mistakes. And uh, one of the propensities, which you just named, there's four of them: uh, cheating propensity. You named that, right? Uh, yeah. So, cool. So let us carry on. Um, text number six. Because of the resounding vibrations of the denizens of heaven singing in the caves, the lions there, being very proud of their strength, roared with unbearable envy, thinking another lion is roaring in that way. Um, oh, wait, with eight. Yeah, okay. So text number seven. The valleys beneath Chikuta Mountain are beautifully decorated with many varieties of jungle animals and the trees which are maintained in the gardens and gardens by the demigods uh, oh, wait, sorry. The valleys beneath Chikuta Mountain are beautifully decorated by many varieties of jungle animals and in the trees, which are maintained in the gardens by the demigods, varieties of birds chirp with sweet voices. And by the way, that's another sound that these um, meditation apps have, right? Just the, 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 the sounding of birds. Chikuta Mountain, uh, and we also did a... Uh, in the VIHE, we want, this was done before Vrindavan got overcrowded. Um, can you hear that? Yes, Prabhuji, we hear you. Yeah. I hear and can you hear the sounds? Yes. Okay. So this was, we, we just went to a mango grove in Vrindavan and placed a, record, uh, a tape recording there uh, in those days. I think it was a cassette and uh, just recorded something. I'll put it in the chat, the link to it. But these are just the sounds of the birds and the different animals um, in Vrindavan. <laughs> Many years ago before, you know, it got overcrowded. I think now that's a, uh, that same place is now a uh, condo or something. <laughs> Was this real or artificial? No, real, real, real. Okay. Totally real. <laughs> Actually, when I go to Brindavan with my mother, so my eldest brother, he was telling me, Shushil, uh, when you go to there, you'll see the 
um, peacock sound and the bird sound and the very natural sound. Yeah, it's just a little less now because of uh, all the construction. But yes, and when I first moved there, it was like- But I didn't hear Posey. Like this link that I just sent you. Okay. Um, then in uh, eight, Trikuta Mountain has many lakes and rivers with beaches covered by small gems resembling grains of sand. Could you imagine that? Instead of sand, there's gems. The water is as clear as crystal. And when the demigod damsels bathe in it, their bodies lend fragrance to the water and the breeze thus enriching uh, the atmosphere. Sounds, I guess the closest you get to that is someplace like Hawaii, certain parts of Hawaii, maybe in this world. Um, purport. Even in the material world, there are many grades of living entities. The human beings on earth generally cover themselves with external fragrances to stop their bad body odors. But here we find that because of the bodily fragrance of the demigod damsels, the rivers, the lakes, the breeze, and the entire atmosphere of Chikuta Mountain also became fragrant. Since the bodies of the damsels in the upper planetary systems were so beautiful, we can just imagine how beautifully formed are the bodies of the Vaikunta damsels or the damsels in Vrindavan, the gopis. So, yeah, so again, I'll, I'll share my screen for a second. I just made a little share screen, sorry. A little small PowerPoint about these things. Again, sorry for those who are listening, can't see it. So, uh, so you know, just about the different varieties. So this is just a few different species of varieties of flowers, right? That's just a few. There's so many, and there's, there's so much variety in this world, right? So much, so many different uh, species just on this picture, right? In the water and the different plants, et cetera. So much variety. And <laughs> it was talking about uh, that, that uh, we have bad body odor <laughs> in, in this body on, on earth. And so we need um, perfume, right? variety of perfume, but uh, in the place that's being described, uh, it was so heavenly that the damsels, they, their body gave off perfume-like without the need of, uh, how do you pronounce it? Dolce and Gabbana or something like that. <laughs> and there's so many varieties of perfume just because our bodies smell so much, unfortunately. Isn't it? It, it's, it? it is It is like that. And the underarms also, <laughs> so many different things to uh, try to make our underarms at least neutralize their smell, if not um, try to make it have a pleasant fragrance. <laughs> so it's quite different <laughs> what we have going on here. Or what to speak of, do you remember Lord Rishabde that when he when he passed stool, the fragrance spread for miles and miles, a wonderful fragrance. And so Prabhupada would sometimes joke that if you think you're an incarnation of God, does your, uh, does your feces have that uh, smell? <laughs> Likely it doesn't. Okay, uh, anything else on text number eight? <laughs> We do not use this uh, chemical uh, perfume to in our uh, body, right? For uh, Vaishnava, we are using to the Tilakan Chandan. That's the scent is our scent, right? Uh, I think that's a personal choice. It's not a, uh, 
I haven't, I haven't written, I haven't read anything about that in Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> we, if we are sharing as a general rule, um, whether we're going in front of the deity or trying to share Krishna consciousness with others, or even just trying to have a reasonable relationship with our spouse, we don't want to smell like we just came out of the gutter. <laughs> so it's true. We, we try to avoid, uh, I, I mean, I think, I don't think, again, there's not anything uh, written in stone here, but I personally try to avoid heavy chemicals in, in soap uh, or in deodorant or anything like that. There's things that are natural um, that you can use. Just like in, in India, they often don't use toothbrushes and toothpaste. They use the neem twigs, right? And mm -hmm. neem, neem has an antiseptic. A quality and it also has it also has a good flavor uh, you know a strong flavor that kind of yeah but actually cleaning the mouth is an important part of, i mean not an important part it's part of vaishnava sadachar the devotee clean, cleanses his mouth takes bath in the morning etc it doesn't mean we have to use uh you know whatever uh, old spice uh, but uh, i think that's more a personal preference all right yeah but we do, we don't want to go in front of the deity smelling like smelling the high hell, as they say, my mom would say, right? We want to uh, at least be neutral. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else on uh, deodorant kata? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <clears throat> but it should be, we should be a little embarrassed, uh, you know, in one sense, having a material body that, it, you know, it's uh, that, yeah, it's not as nice as uh, we think it is, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I won't, I won't go into any more details. All right, so let's carry on. So the next verses are, don't have too many purports until up to 30. Uh, in a valley of Trikuta Mountain, there was a garden called uh, Ritumat. This garden belonged to the great devotee Varuna and was a sporting place for the damsels of the demigods. Flowers and fruits grew there in all seasons, among them the Madura, Madharas, Parijatas, Patalas, Ashokas, Champakas, Kutas, Kutas, Piyalas, Panasas, Mangoes, Amratakas, Kratmukas, coconut tree, date tree, and pomegranates. There were madukas, palm trees, tamals, asanas, arjunas, aristas, undumbaras, plakshash, banyan trees, kumshukas, and sandalwood trees. There were also pichumardas, kobidharas, saralas, Suradharus, grapes, sugarcane, bananas, jambu, badri, badaris, akshash, abhayas, and amalakis. 14 to 19. In that garden, there was a very large lake filled with shining golden lotus flowers and the flowers known as kumudas, kalaras, upalas, and satapatra which added excellent beauty to the mountain. There were also bilvas, kapita, jambi, jambira, and 
lattaka trees. Intoxicated bumblebees drank honey and hummed with the chirping of the birds whose songs were very melodious. The lake was covered with swans, karandavas, chakravakas, cranes, and flocks of water chickens, datyulhas, koyastis, and other murmuring birds. Because of the agitating movement of the fish and tortoises, the water was decorated with pollen that had fallen from the lotus flowers. The lake was surrounded by kadamba flowers, vetasa flowers, nalas, nipas, vanjulakas, kundas, kurubakas, ashokas, sirisas, kutashjash, ingudhas, in kubjakas, uh, swarna yutis, nagas, punnagas, jati, malikas, Satapatras, Jalakas, and Madhavi Latas. The banks were also abundantly adorned with varieties of trees that yielded flowers and fruits in all seasons. Thus, the entire mountain stood gloriously decorated. The leader of the elephants, who lived in the forest of the mountain Trikuta, once wandered toward the lake with his female elephants. He broke many plants, creepers, thickets, and trees, not caring for their piercing thorns. Simply by catching scent of that elephant, all the other elephants and tigers and the other ferocious animals such as lions, rhinoceroses, great serpents and black and white sarabhas fled in fear. The chamari deer also fled. By the mercy of this elephant, animals like the foxes, wolves, buffaloes, bears, boars, kupuchas, Porcupines, monkeys, rabbits, and other deer and other small animals loitered elsewhere in the forest. They were not afraid of him. Surrounded by the herd, surrounded by the herd's other elephants, including females, and followed by the young ones, Gajapati, the leader of the elephants, made Trikuta Mountain tremble all around because of the weight of his body. He was perspiring, liquid, liquor dripping from his mouth, and his vision was overwhelmed by intoxication. He was being served by bumblebees who drank honey and from a distance he could smell the dust of the lotus flowers which was carried from the lake by the breeze. Thus surrounded by his, his associates who were afflicted <clears throat> by thirst, he soon arrived at the bank of the lake. The king of the elephants entered the lake, bathed thoroughly and was relieved of his fatigue. Then with the aid of his trunk, he drank the cool, clear nectarian water which was mixed with the dust of lotus flowers and water lilies until he was fully satisfied. Like a, like a human being who lacks spiritual knowledge and is too attached to the members of his family, the elephant being illusioned by the external energy of Krishna had his wives and children bathe and drink the water. Indeed, he raised the water from the lake which, with his trunk and sprayed it all over them. He did not mind the hard labor involved in this endeavor. By the arrangement of providence, so that sometimes means Krishna's arrangement, sometimes means karma, right? Um, it can be a combination of things. By the arrangement of providence, O king, a strong crocodile was angry at the elephant and attacked the elephant's leg in the water. The elephant was certainly strong and he tried his best to get free from this danger sent by providence. Thereafter, seeing Gajendra in that grave condition, his wives felt very, very sorry and began to cry. The, elephant, the other elephants wanted to help the gender because, but because of the crocodile's great strength, they could not rescue him by grasping him from behind. O king, 
the elephant and the crocodile fought in this way, pulling one another in and out of the water for 1,000 years. Upon seeing the fight, the demigods were very surprised. Thereafter, because of being pulled into the water and fighting for many, many, many long years, the elephant became diminished in his mental, physical, and sensual strength. The crocodile, on the other hand, on the contrary, being an animal of the water, increased in enthusiasm, physical strength, and sensual power. Okay, so what comes now is one of the more famous purports in, uh, well, famous in the sense there's a background to it and also some very, very practical and instructive lessons for us. And the background is, um, I believe Prabhupada was in Hawaii and was en route to New Zealand. And he got a, uh, he didn't get an email. <laughs> there was no email. He got a message from a devotee named Aruvisa Prabhu, who's passed away recently, um, saying that he can no longer serve as the leader in, uh, in America and that he can no longer keep his vows as a sannyasi, a person that has renounced this world. And so Prabhupada um, saw a connection between Gajendra's struggles and uh, what he's going to write in this purport. So let's read the entire purport. In the fighting between the elephant and the crocodile, the difference was that although the elephant was extremely powerful, he was in a foreign place in the water. During 1,000 years of fighting, he could not get any food, and under the circumstances, his bodily strength diminished. And because his bodily strength diminished, his mind had also became weak and his senses less powerful. The crocodile, however, being an animal of the water, had no difficulties. He was getting food and was therefore getting mental strength and sensual encouragement. Thus, while the elephant became reduced in strength, the crocodile became more and more powerful. Now from this, we can take the lesson that in our fight with Maya or illusion, we should not be in a position in which our strength, enthusiasm, and senses will be unable to fight vigorously. Our Krishna consciousness movement has actually declared war against the illusory energy in which all living entities are rotting in a false understanding of civilization. The soldiers in this Krishna conscious movement must always possess physical strength, enthusiasm, and sensual power to keep themselves fit they must therefore place themselves in a normal condition of life. What constitutes a normal condition will not be the same for everyone. And therefore there are four, there are divisions of Varnashrama, Brahmana, Chatriya, Vaishya, Sudra, Brahmachari, Grihastha, Vanaprastha, and Sanyas. Especially in this age, Kali Yuga, it is advised that no one takes Sanyas. Ashvamedam, Kovadlambham, Sanyasam, Palapaitrikam. Devarena sutopatim kalo pancha divarjayat. From this, one can understand that in this age, the sannyas ashram is forbidden because people are not strong. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed us an example in taking sannyas at the age of 24 years. But even Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya advised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to be extremely careful because he had taken sannyas at an early age. For preaching, we give young boys sannyas but actually it is being experienced that they are not fit for sannyas. There is no harm, however, if one thinks that he is unfit for sannyas. 
If he is very much agitated sexually, he should go to the ashram where sex is allowed, namely the Grihasta ashram. That one has been found to be very weak in one place does not mean that he should stop fighting the crocodile of Maya. One should take shelter of the lotus feet of Krishna, as we shall see Gajendra do. And at the same time, one can be a Grihasta, married person, if he is satisfied, uh, if, if he is satisfied with sexual indulgence. There's no need to give up the fight. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu therefore recommended Stanestita Shutigatim Tanumvang Manovir. One should stay in what, whichever ashram is suitable for him. It is not essential that one take sannyas. If one is sexually agitated, he can enter the Grihasta ashram. But one must, not, one must continue the fight, the fighting. One, for one who is not in the transcendental position, to take sannyas artificially is not a very great credit. If sannyas is not suitable, one may enter the Grihasta ashram and fight Maya with great strength. But one should not give up fighting and going go away. So, um, that, is, that was Prabhupada's bottom line that it, it's not so important the status of life that we're in but that that status matches our nature matches our level of advancement at, the, at a, any particular time in our life and find a way to remain uh, enthusiastic as he used the word here right um, uh, with sensual, what is it? Sensual strength, enthusiasm, and, and mental strength. So uh, like in the Bhagavad Gita, it says that one who dresses in a renounced way, but his mind is always focusing on the sense objects is uh, called a pretender. So better to be an honest grihasta, or, or what did Prabhupada say in one... Uh, better to be a sincere sweeper in the street than a charlatan meditator. I thought that was a very nice sentence, isn't it? All right. Um, so this, this was, as I mentioned, um, uh, Prabhupada took this news that he got of Maruvisa Prabhu and, and sewed it, uh, weaved it into his purports without, uh, of course, mentioning his name. Um, we can mention his name. Actually, interestingly, at the time, this gives us a little interpersonal instruction here. When he, when he did have his struggles uh, with sannyas, devotees started gossiping about this. And now this is before the internet, no email, even if you recall, Long distance telephone calls were like $2 a minute and $2 was a lot of money in the 70s. But still the news got around and Prabhupada was very upset. And he said something very wise from an interpersonal point of view. He said, you're spreading these, these gossip about him and it'll, that will make it that much harder for him to come back and perform devotional service. Well, he, he eventually did and did wonderful service, but um, but the, because in my profession, we say that um, the perceived humiliation is, is one of the worst emotions that one, someone can feel. And it brings out the worst in someone when they perceive that they've been humiliated. I use the word perceived because, you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if somebody else, I didn't humiliate him. I just said what happened, but he perceived it as such. All right, so 
humiliation is in the eyes of the perceiver. <laughs> so it, it also goes to show that one of the causes of struggles in Krishna consciousness is to talk prajalpa, uh, uh, unnecessary talk. And the most unnecessary talk is gossip about another person. But, you know, it pays, right? You, you go to check out uh, at a grocery store and, you know, they have on display the magazines that are having all the gossip about, you know, the latest uh, famous person like that. Okay, so some questions, comments, thoughts on this? Well, I, I found these stories uh, quite uh, comforting because <laughs> some of the other stuff, you know, you read it's which is clearly for yes you know sannyasis san, san, san right, yeah. you know it makes you feel kind of very inadequate it's nice to know that there is a space and you know i guess what, what's the the famous phrase from the bible to the to thine own self be true yes yes you know, this is a much more um flowery uh that's that's a poor term you know what i mean a much more, i know what you mean yeah and elaborate way of describing that. Yeah, this purport basically is what that what that Bible saying says, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. But don't give up on Krishna. That's the yeah. point, because we're eternally His servant. So, you know, you have some struggles in your life for a year or two. That's not much in, in terms of eternity. <laughs> um, either Jiva or uh, Ananda Rupa have their hand up. Hare Krishna Prabhu. So. Thank you so much. This is a very important lesson for us to take that, you know, things are perceived in the side of the receiver so many times, like even in the case of Gajendra Vyas, we will see he is cursed for not his mistake because he was in meditation, but, you know, but the perception was different. We see the example of Shakuntala. The perception was different that they were neglecting their personalities and so forth. And the second aspect that you shared is also very important. Like when we perceive, sometimes we perceive people based on their different ashram instead of understanding their contribution and their uh, attitude towards devotion. And that should be highly respected because any criticism thrown at others is actually taking up those qualities on ourselves. Right. Thank you. Oh, by the way, why don't you, in uh, in one minute or less, because I don't think everyone knows it, can you tell the story of Sakuntala that you're referring to? Uh, Shakuntala, actually, uh, King Dushyanta, he was in the forest. He was very thirsty. He saw Shakuntala in an ashram. He approached her, got the water, but then he was attracted by her beauty. And so they had Gandharva Viva, they got married. And then Dushyanta said that I'll Come go back to my kingdom and then I'll properly, you know, welcome you as a, my bride. So he went back, but Shakuntala, you know, she was waiting for him. She was in his thoughts. And what happened was a sage came by and, uh, you know, he was also very thirsty and he asked Shakuntala, but she was in so much meditation and she was thinking of her husband, Dushyanta or Dushmant. Yes, given in Srimad Bhagavatam, she didn't realize externally. She was not externally aware. So yeah. what happened was the sage thought that she's purposefully neglecting him. So he cursed her that whoever thoughts you are thinking of, that person will forget about you. So he knew that she is thinking of someone. And that's why she's not paying attention. Yet he that's cursed her. So Dushmant, 
you know, uh, immediately forgot her. However, the friends, her friends, they saw she being cursed. They said, but she just got married and she told the whole situation. So he said, but if, you know, he finds something that he has given to her, then it will come back. So Dushmanta had given his ring to Shakuntala. And when he sees that ring, which is a long story, uh, he remembers about uh -huh. her and the marriage and everything. And she, he accepts her. Previously, and even though Devishina and the company said he rejects her because he thinks that you know this is some woman just trying to claim to be my wife. Mm. Interesting. So rings are important. Wasn't Hanuman showed the ring to Sita to show that he was the messenger from Ram? Wasn't or some something from yes, yes. Know, yeah. However, see Sita Mata, see again, perception matters. Sita Mata got the wrong impression that Hanuman is attracted to wealth. Right, right. So she gave him a pearl necklace and he broke every single pearl saying, I don't see Ram and Sita in here. I don't see Ram and Sita in here because he wanted to tell her that it's not the pearl that he is attached to. It is Lord Ram's lotus feet and hers he's attached to. Very good. Thank you for that. Any other uh, comments, questions on this purport? Okay, then we can carry on then to 31. When the king of the elephants saw that he was under the clutches of the crocodile by the will of providence and being embodied and circumstantially helpless, could not save himself from danger. He was extremely afraid of being killed. He consequently fought for a long time and finally reached the following decision. Purport. Everyone in the material world is engaged in a struggle for existence. Everyone tries to save himself from danger, but when one is unable to save himself, if he is pious, he then takes shelter of the lotus feet of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. This is confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. Chatur Vidha Bajantemam Jana Sukriti Narjuna Arto Artarti Gani Four kinds of pious men, namely one who is in danger, one who is in need of money, one who is searching for knowledge, and one who is inquisitive, begin to take shelter of the Supreme Personality of God in order to be saved and to advance. The King of the Elephants, in his condition of danger, decided to seek shelter at the lotus feet of the Lord. After considerable thought, he intelligently arrived at this correct decision. Such a decision is not reached by a sinful man. Therefore, in Bhagavad Gita, it is said that those who are pious, Sukriti, can decide that in a dangerous or awkward condition, one should seek shelter the lotus feet of um i i i wanted to uh well let's see so in this in this purport we're hearing that we one has to decide upon their shelter and that's and so gajendra who was you know pretty absorbed in other things took a lot as, as it says here took a, a long time but came to the right conclusion one of the challenges for us sometimes is to keep that conclusion in the front of our mind as we're going through life. And especially if the crocodile of our life, whatever that crocodile is, if that subsides and things externally become a little more peaceful, um, do we still maintain that decision to take shelter of Krishna or do we kind of put Krishna on the shelf and say, well, you know, I'll save you for a rainy day, right? So it requires 
what Kajendra had here, strong intelligence to analyze the situation and understand really, I, I need God's help. And it also requires a higher taste that we are in feeling our connection with Krishna as we do our devotional activities, because that is more enjoyable than connections with the material world. And so how to get that higher taste? I was listening, there was these um, Govardhan retreat um, talks this week. And so Sachi, His Holiness Satyananda Swami was talking about how four things are needed. Two are kind of external and two are internally, um, although they're connected, of course. Uh, he was talking about Shravanam Kirtanam, hearing and chanting, hearing about Krishna as we're doing now, and chanting. Um, and then humility and spiritual greed or spiritual desire, that, uh, having a strong desire to attain spiritual realization, to attain Krishna's lotus feet. And humility um, isn't, you know, that famous saying, right? It's not thinking less of ourselves. It's just thinking of ourselves less or less often. So humility ultimately is understanding how wonderful and how great Krishna is. Um, but then also feeling that, you know, I'm so far away from that, um, that the conclusion of humility is not, is not giving up, but rather taking more shelter. So shravanam and kirtanam, hearing and chanting, and then humility and strong desire for Krishna. Um, those are those are what's that's what keep keeping up the fight as we heard in the other purport is and that's what continuing devotional service in in more deeper way is some questions comments thoughts on this verse and purport you've been so quiet today guys oh okay then we can go on to 32 so there's just uh, two more verses in this chapter but they both have purports the other elephants, who are my friends and relatives, could not rescue me from the danger, from this danger. What then, this is his, his, his uh, intelligence kicking in. What then to speak of my wives? They cannot do anything. It is by the will of providence that I have been attacked by this crocodile. And therefore, I shall seek shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, who is always the shelter of everyone, even of great personalities. Prabhupada writes, this material world is described as padam padam yad bi padam, which means that at every step there is danger. A fool wrongly thinks that he is happy in this world, material world, but in fact he is not. For one who thinks that way is only illusioned. At every step, at every moment, there is danger. In modern civilization, one thinks that if he has a nice home and a nice car, his life is perfect. And you can see that that was definitely um, when Prabhupada, the time that Prabhupada was writing this, it was much more so. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking, his, yeah, in the 70s when Prabhupada wrote this, for sure. And I think even um, in the 50, late 50s and 60s of post-World War II, and I'm just talking about American history right now, it was the suburb, something called the suburbs were created. Um, prior to that, I think 70% of Americans were farmers. 
And now there's this thing called the suburbs where you have your own house, where you have a garden, you know, a lawn and all that sort of stuff. And of course you have to have a car, right? Cause it's not, nothing's in walking distance. So um, yeah, <laughs> so that was really, and now, nowadays it might be that and other things. It's, it hasn't totally changed. People are still, um, and housing you see is more expensive than ever right now in America. Um, but very much like that, that in modern civilization, if one thinks he has a nice home and a nice car, his life is perfect. In the Western countries, especially in America, it is, it is very nice to possess a good car. But as soon as one is on the road, there is danger because at any moment an accident may take place and one will be killed. The record actually shows that so many people die in such accidents. And uh, yeah, so I did a little research. So car accidents, well, accidents of different natures, especially cars, are the third largest, uh, third greatest killer of people in America. So even when, you know, heart attack, heart disease is number one and cancer is number two, uh, just behind that is what Prabhupada is saying here. The record actually shows that so many people, uh, therefore, we actually think that this material world is, uh, therefore, if we actually think that this material world is a very happy place, this is our ignorance. Real knowledge is that this material world is full of danger. We may struggle for existence as far as our intelligence allows and may try to take care of ourselves, but unless the Supreme Personality of God and Krishna ultimately saves us from danger, our attempts will be useless. Therefore, Pallad Maharaj says, and I'll, I'll read the translation to this verse. Um, it's, he's praying to Lord Nishingadev. My dear Lord Nishingadev, O Supreme, because of a bodily conception of life, embodied souls neglected and not cared for by you cannot do anything for their betterment. Whatever remedies they accept, although perhaps temporarily beneficial, are certainly impermanent. For example, a father and mother cannot protect their child. A physician and medicine cannot relieve a suffering patient. And a boat on the ocean cannot protect a drowning man. In other words, they can give some protection, but ultimately, it is God. It is Krishna. We may invent so many ways to be happy. This is the last paragraph. Or to counteract the dangers of this material world. But unless our attempts at san are sanctioned by the Supreme Personality of God, they will never make us happy. Those who try to be happy without taking shelter of the Supreme Personality of God are mudhas, rascals. Those who are the lowest of men refuse to take to Krishna consciousness because they think that they will be able to protect themselves without Krishna's care. This is their mistake. The decision of the king of the elephants, Kajendra, was correct. In such a dangerous position, he sought shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this um, reminded me of something uh, it's, it's, it's the opening, I don't know if you ever heard of the book, The Road Less Traveled by M. Scott Peck. Uh, he passed away, I think, about a year or two ago. But this is the very beginning of his most famous book. And it's somewhat connected to what we just said. It goes like this, that life is difficult. This is a great truth, one of the greatest truths. So He's definitely, that's very similar to what Prabhupada is saying, right? It is a great truth because once we truly see this truth, we transcend it. Well, hopefully. Uh, 
once we truly know that life is difficult, once we truly understand and accept it, then life is no longer difficult because once it is accepted, the fact that life is difficult no longer matters. So that, yes, if Vishwam Purna Sukhayate, if one is Krishna conscious, one can see the whole world as blissful um, because they see Krishna's hand behind everything. But Mr. Uh, Peck has something here um, that it is a universal truth that life is difficult. And if we don't accept that, he is saying, and Prabhupada is also saying more, yeah, that that's a big problem. That's a big problem because then, uh, as, I, as I often say in, in conflict resolution, one of the major causes of conflict is unclear expectations. So if we have an expectation that things are supposed to go basically well in this world from the external point of view, that is problematic because it's the very nature of this world as we're just reading and here and with Gajendra, that that's not true. And, and Peck is saying that acknowledging that fact has a liberating, uh, has, is, is a very good recognition. Uh, and I think that's also true for devotees to, to recognize that Krishna says, anityam asukam loka, dukalayam ashashvitam, that the world is temporary and, fu- and has, full of challenges and miseries. So that is a great realization to actually realize that no, the lights aren't always going to turn green. And yes, you know, the IRS is going to be hounding you for that money that you thought you had hidden really well <laughs> or whatever, right? There's always going to be problems. Always, 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 always. And recognizing that does have uh, a liberating effect, or at least when things happen to us, we put them into perspective. Instead of saying, oh, why me? Why me? Why is there a God? Why me? Instead of saying, oh, okay. Yeah. And I, one of the analogies that, uh, that's, that someone in the world gives that's kind of interesting, I kind of like is speed bumps, you know, or I think, what do they call them in India? Speed barriers? Those, you know, if you just try to run over it, you really ruin your car. But if you just slow down, first two wheels over, second two wheels over, and then get on with life. So you just, you deal with whatever problems. You don't make, you don't make believe they're not there. You expect them just like here. Uh, what is the name of that road? There's a shortcut to get to the temple, but it has speed bumps like every 25, Brickyard, Brickyard Road. Yeah. Um, if you're on uh, MacArthur, instead of going all the way kind of around to where the CNO Canal National Park is and all that, you can take Brickyard, which is a straight shot, but there are a lot of speed bumps, a lot. And so you have to decide which, which you prefer. Uh, okay, so some thoughts on recognizing this world for what it is? Uh, well, it's definitely true. Uh, and I think uh, what can make it kind of difficult um, you know, there are always these people that you observe and uh, perceive to just everything works perfectly all the time. <laughs> yeah. Which is probably part of the illusion itself, if you actually knew the details of totally, of them. totally. Yeah. 
I mean, because ultimately everyone has to get sick, die, and get old. But even beyond that, you know, the lives of the rich and famous are usually not what they appear oh, to God. be on the yeah. cover of Life magazine or whatever. You know, when I was growing up, you know, you'd see Rock Hudson with Doris Day, you know. <laughs> and actually, you didn't know that actually Rock Hudson was gay. And, you know, Doris Day had all kinds of illnesses, you know, things like yeah. yeah, so even like in your life, because you bring it up, you'd rather be on the East Coast right now, right? Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so we have, we have, we all have things like that. Now, Jiva, you had your hand up and you put it down. I guess it's down. Thank okay. you. Oh, yes, Prabhu. Quickly, just want to share. So thank you so much for that speed bump, the speed barriers scenario. Yeah. But when we know that there are barriers, then we accept them, Right. So many times in our life, when we set our own goals and we know that these goals come with very various challenges, then everything is good. But if you are driving at 60 miles an hour and suddenly the speed bumps comes, <laughs> that's when you know, the distress and the reaction and that, that's actually a good point for us to kind of like, you know, slow down and understand, yes, life is unpredictable. So thank you for sharing yeah. You know, and Srimad Bhagavatam, we get these realizations, you know, again and again through stories. Sometimes we look at them as entertainment, but in our life, if something unexpectedly happens, which puts us in difficulty, we become distressful at times. But in Krishna consciousness, we understand that this is the nature of the material world. And so we become prepared for these scenarios and a yes. big uh, scenario of responding instead of reacting, like you so many times explained. Hare Krishna. Yeah, and it's connected to the um, to text 30 in this sense that when difficulties come, we have to really put on our determination to serve. It'd be fixed that I'm a servant of Krishna. The external circumstances will be like this sometimes, they'll be like that sometimes, but I remain fixed in service. So even, you know, in the case of the sannyasi who had some struggles, Prabhupada saying, just keep on serving, keep on serving. That's, that's who you are. Now, of course, Prabhupada didn't have any struggles like this sannyasi had, but he, he underwent all kinds of challenges, having heart attacks on the Jaladutta when he came here, dealing with situations like this, with this sannyasi who fell down, um, you know, getting his first manuscript of the Bhagavad Gita, uh, stolen <laughs> could you imagine <laughs> you know many of us would probably say well i guess krishna didn't want me to write a bhagavad gita no instead he writes another thousand page bhagavad gita <laughs> you know it, it's it's it, he had s s so many challenges so many disappointments um and 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 so many um just having to deal with with crazy situations on a daily basis sometimes but he was just fixed. He was totally fixed in that he's a servant of his Guru Maharaj. And he didn't get um, distracted. He didn't get bummed out, as we say. He just kept, kept serving, kept serving. And that's interesting. One of the things that Prabhupada really appreciated in devotees was when they were steady um, at some service, not you know jumping here and there all the time, but um, 
Prabhupada was steady in, in his determination, although he did so many amazing things. Okay, so we have one last verse for today. Text 30, and then we did the whole chapter, amazing. The Supreme Personality of God is certainly not known to everyone, but he is very powerful and influential. Therefore, although the serpent of eternal time, which is fearful in force, endlessly chases everyone, ready to swallow him. If one who fears this serpent seeks shelter of the Lord, the Lord gives him protection. For even death runs away in fear of the Lord. Therefore, surrender unto him the great and powerful supreme authority, who is the actual shelter of everyone. One who is intelligent understands that there is a great and supreme authority above everything. That great authority appears in different incarnations to save the innocent from disturbances. As confirmed in Bhagavad Gita, Parichanaya, Sadhunam, Vinashaya, Vinashaya, Chaduskritam. The Lord appears in his various incarnations for two purposes. <clears throat> to annihilate the Duskritana, the, the sinful, and to protect his devotees. The king of the elephants decided to surrender unto him. This is intelligent. One must know that great supreme personality of God and surrender unto him. The Lord comes personally to instruct us how to be happy, and only fools and rascals do not see by intelligence the supreme authority, the supreme person. In the Shruti Mantra, it is said, I'll skip the Sanskrit, but it is out of fear of the supreme personality of God that the wind is blowing and the sun is distributing heat and light and that death is chasing everyone. Thus, there is a supreme controller, as confirmed in Bhagavad Gita. Maya Dakshena Prakriti Suyate Satcharacharam. This material manifestation is working so well because the Supreme Controller, because of the Supreme Controller. Any intelligent person, therefore, can understand that there is a Supreme Controller. Furthermore, the Supreme Controller himself appears as Lord Krishna, as Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and as Lord Ramachandra to give us instructions and to show us by example how to surrender unto the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Yet those who are duskritina, the lowest of men, do not surrender. Namam duskritino mudha prapadyante naradama. In Bhagavad Gita, the Lord clearly says, mrityu sarva harascaham, I am all devouring death. Thus, mrityu, or death, is the representative who takes everything away from the living entity who has accepted a material body. No one can say, I do not fear death. This is a false proposition. Everyone fears death. However, one who seeks shelter of the Supreme Personality of Godhead can be saved from death. One may argue, does the devotee not die? The answer is that a devotee certainly must leave, uh, give up his body, but the body is material. The difference is, however, that for one who surrenders to Krishna fully and who is protected by Krishna, the present body is his last. He will not again receive a material body to be subjected to death. This is assured in Bhagavad Gita. Deham mam eti sorjuna. A devotee after giving up his body does not accept the material body, but returns home back to Godhead. We are always in danger because at any moment death can take place. It is not that only Gajendra, the king of the elephants, was afraid of death. Everyone should be should fear death because everyone is caught by the crocodile of eternal time and may die at any moment. The best course, therefore, is to seek shelter of Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and be saved from the struggle of existence in this material world, 
in which one repeatedly takes birth and dies. To reach this understanding is the ultimate goal of life. So, um, and this body ultimately is meant to serve Krishna. In the uh, Anchalila chapter four of the Chaitanya Charitamrita, so Sanatan Goswami um, is walking to um, Puri to meet Lord Chaitanya. He goes through the Jarakhand forest and he drinks some water that has some contamination in it. And he gets these terrible, terrible sores all over his body, just like oozing sores. And he thinks that is, and he can't get rid of them. And he thinks that his life is useless and that uh, he wouldn't be able to do any service for Lord Chaitanya. And he has to avoid any of the residents of Puri because if they touch him, they'll become contaminated. And he's thinking, well, you know, and, and then Lord Chaitanya sees him when he arrives and Lord Chaitanya embraces him despite all the sores. And then he's really, really distraught saying, I've committed this huge offense. My, the transcendental body of Lord Chaitanya is touched by these terrible sores. And, and he thinks Rathayatra is coming up soon and he should just commit suicide, throwing himself under the Rathayatra cart. And Lord Chaitanya, who knows his mind saying, Sanatan, this body does not belong to you. This body, I have so many plans for, for the service that you're going to do to me. You belong to me. Get it, get it together, man. <laughs> he didn't say that in such colloquial terms, but yeah. Um, and th there's so many um, lessons in that, but, that, but the point that I wanted to make here is that, that for a very advanced devotee, they think um, that this body is simply and exclusively meant for service to Krishna. And therefore, let me, uh, let me focus on that. Instead of it's just not, I'm not this body, I'm spirit soul, but ultimately everything I have, manasa deho geha yokichimar, rp lutuo pade nanda kishore, that whatever I have uh, is actually for your service, Krishna, and nothing else. So that is, uh, and, and there's, anyway, there's one, one day we could give a talk on just this fourth chapter. I'm familiar with it now because I just heard Buri Jampabu speak about it for the last three, uh, three days. But any, any questions or comments on this last verse? Hare Krishna Prabhu. Yes. Yes, Ananda Rupamati. Prabhuji, I really like how Prabhupada, um, in so many different ways, he has reminders all over for us in the purports. Here he says, to reach this understanding is the ultimate goal of life. And then other places he says, this is the perfection of life. And then he says, this is how we please Krishna. And, you know, in whatever way we want to understand it, the messages are so uh, loud and clear. Very clear. And then yeah. and, and, uh, <clears throat> you mentioned Antalila. Um, uh, that was really uh, beautiful and profound pastime. Uh, we also had the opportunity to uh, do the shravanam of that. Thank you so much for sharing the link for Govardhan. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> okay. Uh, anything else? Then we Hare can... Krishna, yes. Yes, Nani Mukhi. Hare Krishna. I'm looking at the specific words Shilapapat was used in the 
translation to said the Lord is very powerful and influential. That's how、mm. he can become the shelter of everyone. I think when when we understand, I mean realize realize how powerless and uninfluential we are. <laughs> it's like when we are really on the verge of life and death, then you realize that you have nobody to to appeal to. Nobody could even. Pay attention to you,、mm. and then you. The only the only one you can reach out to is a supreme, which you hardly know about. But because of the supreme, he is all all powerful and very influential and all merciful as well. That that's why he. Gives you attention, and he could give help to you.、Mm. Very nice, yeah, yeah.、Uh, the in another place, remember we studied. We the word was fallible soldiers. That、uh, family members, friends, etc. You know, and when we're on, on deathbed, they're all fallible soldiers. They can't do anything to、uh, help us avoid. The unavoidable. Thank you for that, Nanimuki. Anything else? Okay. Well, then we finish this chapter. We can end five minutes early, and the next chapter is the beautiful、uh, reaction of Gajendra and how he takes shelter of、uh, the Supreme Lord. So we'll send out the、uh, reading assignments, and we will see you all, Krishna willing, next week. All right, Krishna. Thank you, Mr. Prabhu. Thank you. 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 Thank you.